welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast, designed to give you the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our lead pastor and host for today, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. It's our Southridge member podcast. And uh, today we are back into another pandemic navigating conversation with our connection pastor, Jeff Martin. So Jeff, uh, say hi to everybody. Hello, friends. Feels like we've been doing this for some time. The navigating of COVID? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. Almost a year now. Uh, So welcome back. I know we've had Mm. a few of these conversations over the year. Um, Just as a bit of a check-in, how are things going in your world these days? Yeah, overall, uh, doing okay. I mean, we're grateful that that that, that things are, are rolling along reasonably well in, in our fam. You know, the ki- our kids did go back to the in-person class situation uh, when that uh, began a couple weeks ago, and and uh, that's going well and and providing some again routine in a little ounce of of normalcy. Uh, but overall, I'd say I, I'm I've been in kind of an antsy place the last uh, couple of weeks, as you know, this this second really the, the more intensive second lockdown we've been in through the winter. You know, we've been into it for quite some time, and and uh, I think on the just home life and and social life, and and also on the work front, continually you know working from home, fe- feeling some antsiness, and just continuing to try to grow in some patience as we keep going through this. So, continuing to grow in some patience. Those are sentences that encapsulate a whole lot of <laughs> that's right much much, of much growing still to be done so yeah yeah, yeah. hey uh talk about the working from home uh, i mean your your kids aren't doing school from home now mm-hmm. which is a bit of an, uh, an advantage but how's the working from home going and and just that whole aspect of lockdown life yeah, it's continuing to work all right as we've become so much more accustomed to, to how it can work you know over this almost a year now and and it's a lot of a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of I'd say more f- trying to add more and more phone calls to the mix to break up the screen time, but keep connecting with people personally that way, and a lot of email. Which uh, all of these things are are parts of what we do in communicating and connecting with people all the time. But again, it's it's sort of the exclusive way of doing things like this. So. Yeah, just continuing to try to each day have the, have the energy for that and keep navigating. And I'm sure anybody, I mean, this has been talked about at length for, for people that, that work from home, which I know can often be a privilege because a lot of people who, who, whose work requires them to keep uh, going into the spaces that they, where they need to do their work. But trying to just figure out how to manage the very blurry line between, you know, sitting at a desk in your house and at some point trying to call an end to the day and then in that exact same physical space, turn it into home life and, and, and sort of somehow feel the psyche shift. So I feel like, you know, a couple months again into an exclusive work from home stretch, I'm that, that, that can be a bit of a battle for me, but uh, just have to, again, be mindful of it and attentive to it to, to work through it. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, listen, we want to talk about this kind of stuff at length today as another check-in. We have uh, approximately kind of quarterly check-ins on kind of where we're at and how we're navigating COVID. And uh, obviously a big day today with the uh, the shift in provincial restrictions. So uh, just taking a step back, Jeff, you know, it's been two months now, really, uh, over two months since Boxing Day, where as a region we've been under basically complete lockdown, the emergency stay-at-home order and then the, the gray zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for these past two months, 
from your seat as Connection Pastor, working with and overseeing all of our location pastors, how have you sensed the people of our community have handled this last season? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it has been been tough for many. Um, again, we were fairly well-versed in pandemic life this far into it, but in our first real stretch of, of lockdown, you know, back in the, in the spring months when, when the idea of, okay, this is what it means to live through a pandemic was new, as, as hard, as frustrating, as new as it all was, I, th- I think there was a kind of adrenaline probably helping us with all of the pivoting and adapting where uh, I've sensed from folks that uh, through this stretch, uh, even though we kind of know what it means and, and sort of know how to do it, uh, I, I'd say at this point, um, there's, there does seem to be a greater fatigue or maybe a, great, a, a, a more difficulty in harnessing the, the energy to, um, to get through you know, the days, which can be challenging. And uh, yeah, I think we've, we've felt that and we've heard that uh, from a, a lot of people. I think another thing that we've really noticed through you know, the, the second wave that was a little more intense, you know, just past the Christmas season and into January, is just a lot more people being personally impacted by COVID, that the degrees of separation from someone you maybe just know having it, or maybe uh, someone you know uh, even losing a loved one, or or being more more severely or adversely affected by by you know the actual uh, medical dynamics of the pandemic. That that has has seemed to grow closer to home um, for many in our community. And add to that, you know, winter shorter days, harder harder to maybe be outside. Although I know a lot of people have tried to take advantage of the, of the last month or so of great winter activity, weather we had, I think that that helped a lot of people, but yeah, I think those are some general pulses of at least what's been difficult. And again, people's experience are across the spectrum, but that'd be a, a bit of my read. And uh, I know that we've talked about the challenges or struggles kind of in each season. Uh, would you say that uh, your team is picking up on any unique struggles in this most recent lockdown? I think uh, for those who uh, live on their own, uh, which certainly are, are, are folks we've wanted to be very sensitive to through the, the, the whole life of the pandemic. Again, I think the, the winter dynamics of lockdown have been that much harder. Um, again, it's just been harder to see people face to face when you it's you can't really do you're you're not going to be as eager for the porch visit uh and things like that um and i think especially for the first five weeks of january for those uh that would have had their kids otherwise in class with with young kids but were then uh homeschooling and maybe trying to work themselves or people who are teachers trying to teach and have kids there teaching like that was a pretty complex stretch. Uh, so I think I think those that, that would live on their own and those with the young uh, young kids uh, really again it's been there, there's been an intensity of challenge or struggle I think in those two ex- stages and experiences of life. Um, so trying to just create ways to pray for, connect with, encourage. Uh, people in in those situations has been a a real theme for our team and the location pastors. Well, that was going to be my next question is, uh, you know, in, in this winter season, which I would track with that as well, that the shorter days, the lack of capacity to be outside as much uh, and enjoy some warmer weather, you know, that it has intensified things 
And so I'm wondering, you know, in this more intense season that we've been through, have there been ways, Jeff, that our church has disproportionately reached out to serve and support people, especially those people uh, disproportionately struggling during the lockdown? Yeah, a key thing has been continuing to uh, just encourage our life groups, those connected through life groups, to be caring for one another. And we had some good huddles with our leaders in January to check in and say, okay, we're going, you know, we're back into this lockdown mode. Really, you know, group type connections are exclusively over, you know, Zoom and, and, and the like. And uh, really just trying to make sure we were uh, encouraging uh, a first foot forward of care and connection. Uh, even over the content and things that we certainly always want to keep growing in and processing, but just make sure we're keeping tabs on each other and caring for one another, for, for one another. And I think that that mechanism continues to to, to work well. Um, and then those that that may you know not be connected in in groups, we've tried to have some of our our other outlets of uh, you know the virtual lobbies monthly, which are a nice place to to just touch base and chat. You know, so the, the winter groups that have launched, we've had just a great participation in in our our winter short-term groups, uh, even more than what we saw in the fall. And I think those have been good outlets for just some life-on-life, interpersonal interaction. Um, And beyond that, a theme we've talked about, probably talked about on here even a couple of times when we talk about navigating uh, COVID, has been a mantra for us of pastoring like the 1950s where we just kind of go through the Rolodex, so to speak. We've got lists of of folks that are community enough to phone and to reach out and just say, how you doing? How can we pray for you? And uh, really finding those to be some some meaningful moments of support and, and connection. And then out of that, see if there's any other kind of more tangible resources, whether it's practical need help stuff, or I mean, I think of how our anchor causes have been just incredibly activated through all this supporting, you know, hundreds of people and hundreds of families in, in, in each location. Um, yeah, those, those, there's a lot of needs that keep being met in those ways. And when we can point people to those resources as well, that seems to offer extra support. Have there been any kind of unique or disproportionate impacts that you've seen God have during this phase of the lockdown? You know, sometimes if it's, if it's disproportionately tough, it also gives God an opportunity to, to shine like never before. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you seen God reach out and, and, and really support people uniquely in this last couple of months? Yeah, you know, to see people that uh, step up for one another uh, in, yeah, looking out for the person that lives on their own, or I mean, I can think of some, some folks that have lost loved ones over the last couple of months and things like meal support. Um, you know, again, that's that's, we kind of think of that in the standard sort of community and pastoral playbook, again, in, in normal times. Um, but in this time to see like months worth of meals provided for a, a family who, you know, lost a loved one uh, that just daily uh, carries them with the actual tangible, you know, love of God through the drop off of a meal on a porch that says, we're here for you. You know, God is carrying you through this. We're, we're, we're bringing food, but we're also bringing spiritual support through prayer. Um, some of those kind of things. I, I, just, there's been a number of cases where they've just been at another level, uh, which has been powerful, powerful reminders of the body of Christ, that, that this God is working incarnationally through us to love each other um, at a time when we desperately need it. So yeah, yeah it's awesome a lot of cool that, pictures that, like that. that. God is continuing to incarnate himself even while we're predominantly virtual. Mm. 
that's 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 been super encouraging. Um, well, let's shift gears and talk about really why we're having this conversation today because it was recently announced a couple of days ago that that today, this Monday, uh, our Niagara region here uh, shifts out of the gray zone into the red zone in this kind of five color scheme uh, structure for navigating COVID. Um, remind us, Jeff, at a technical level, what does that mean? What does the red zone in general mean? Yeah, red zone. Uh, I, I would not be perfectly versed in all of the sort of retail or business dynamics, but I understand and, and probably significantly for, for a variety of business operators, you know, in a community like ours, it does create a little more freedom and permission for, for certain kinds of businesses to get open with, with appropriate protocols and whatnot. So that's kind of a shift from the gray, gray zone lockdown language to, again, what's possible sort of in, in work life and business life. Um, as it relates to, to you know, a church community, uh, a couple things. On the one hand, when it comes to our social lives and gathering uh, in, in social ways and just ways of being community, uh, some things change, but, but not much. There's sort of just this slight shift from kind of stay home, don't really connect with anybody to uh, what they would describe as all events and social gatherings being limited to five people indoors um, or 25 people outdoors. Those are kind of the key numbers when we think of, particularly in a ministry like ours, group life or connection life, five indoors and 25 outdoors. Um, but what's interesting there is there's still language included in the red zone uh, instructions that actually says things like, do not visit any other household or allow visitors in your home. So uh, in in b- both versions of the letter of the law, there's sort of some number limits, but also strong encouragements that we're still in a place where s- staying home and with your household is is very important. I mean, the the biggest shift, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of how how to, we sense uh, we're going to manage this, is that religious services and things, even things like weddings and funerals, they actually have a, a fairly significant shift. This is probably the biggest shift, again, relevant to, to church communities, that you go from gray zone and lockdown, where any sort of religious rite, ceremony, or service was limited to 10 people indoors, now shifts into that 30% capacity of a facility, uh, which, depending on the size of a facility, can be quite a dramatic shift. So those are some of the key things that that, that relate to a church. Yeah, so speaking specifically for our church then, if the smaller group, uh, you know, indoor, outdoor numbers don't change a lot, but that large group gathering number all of a sudden statistically opens up, what does this mean for us? Yeah, it, what, it, what it means is that where in the fall we had made some some really, I think, helpful progress around facilitating connections and things by having life groups use rooms in the building, um, because again, social type gatherings and, and uh, organized communal events uh, had you know some, some uh, broader permissions. Um, in red, that's still not really permissible, because those kinds of experiences are five or less, which, you know, again, we could we could where it's helpful orchestrate, you know, at times a handful of people in, in a space together, but those are still pretty limited. And yet, on the other hand, to hold a worship service, you could, you know, in a, in a facility like, like our Glenridge Auditorium, theoretically, or at a, at a, you know, technical permissions level, have a couple hundred people. So there's really this quite this dichotomy of what could be possible within, in, in the red zone. Um, and so what, what, 
as we've been navigating this, you know, describe our thinking and how yeah. we're kind of moving forward as of today. Yeah. Well, and, and throughout the, the fall in particular, I mean, we did in surveys in the summer to get our communities, you know, full input into how we're navigating things in the fall. We had done that again. We had town hall meetings, you know, a number of you were a part of, we had lots of home visits with people to, to, to sort of keep having these conversations. And we felt this, this tension between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. And the spirit, I mean, certainly of pandemic management in general, is let's limit uh, social contact as much as possible to protect, you know, uh, our, our society uh, at, a, at a physical health level. Uh, but then the letter of the law at times, you know, opens certain doors and, and permissions. And we uh, have sought to try to live into the spirit of the law as much as possible to be the best sort of collective citizen and sort of the best way to love and protect our neighbors. And so, uh, I mean, even in Orange, we hadn't anticipated totally reopening or re-engaging sort of common Sunday gatherings. And so in red, that's more restrictive than Orange where we were in the, in the fall, that, that's still going to be our strategy, that we're not going to you know, try to tap into the, the fullest letter of the law permission of a 30%, say, worship gathering, um, and instead continue to operate, you know, gatherings and services in an online and virtual mode uh, in a way to keep us all healthy and safe, well, spiritually supported through this, and probably still be in, in quite a holding pattern around some, you know, increased in-person experiences because of those uh, organized gathering limits that are that are quite you know quite narrow. And right now, what what would you say are the primary influences to have us default as a leadership on the do as little mm. as we can for the protection of others instead of the do as much as we can within the restrictions uh, kind of spectrum of how people in churches process this. Yeah, those those have felt like sort of the two approaches that you know that can be taken, um, and I'd say we, for us, it's all about remembering why a pandemic is managed the way we've learned that a pandemic is managed. And uh, for one, it is to protect the most vulnerable uh, among us; those uh, certainly the elderly and, and and particularly communal living scenarios of, of long term care facilities. You know, anyone immunocompromised or pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, we think of folks like our friends in the the, the Southridge Shelter who uh, might have either you know pre-existing conditions or live in a communal environment, or might have had some other sort of challenges of access to healthcare. Like to protect the most vulnerable is why we're trying to limit our social interactions as much as possible. And while doing that, we're seeking to not overwhelm our healthcare system that, uh, you know, at times in the waves and whatnot, certainly starts to sort of hit those peaks of capacity, trying to care for and tend to, uh, you know, the sanctity of life of our, of our, our most vulnerable in, in our community. And so uh, for us, continuing to try to be the best participant we can be in protecting the vulnerable and not overwhelming our healthcare system, knowing there's, you know, there's concerns around the variants. Uh, these days, um, and not even sure, even as vaccines roll out, what what uh, effect vaccines will have on some of the variants. You know, there is some talk around, uh, could we have a third wave in the spring? So we're wanting to be a bit cautious about that. And again, not, you know, necessarily change the, the, the strategy that we've had too quickly, um, given there, there's certainly still some unknowns ahead of us. And uh, 
I mean, we, we, we hear the red zone is still a pretty um, protective and cautious zone to be in. And so to, to, to keep uh, true to those two whys of why we're, we're doing this, we're, we're trying to lean into that spirit of the law and do as little as we can while still being the church, supporting each other and letting God's incarnational love flow among us. Yeah. And I hope people listening can, can track with that, that in general, our values are to default towards the spirit of the law, to do as little as we can to protect others and especially to protect the most vulnerable. You talk about how uncertain things are right now with, you know, new variants emerging. And, you know, it was just early in December that we were talking about starting to offer an in-person pastorally supported experience of our online service. We were trying to kind of move the needle on the side of open a little more. And then all of a sudden we were locked down and we were in a second wave that was way worse. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to be sensitive and, and, and protective to that, especially with uh, so so little of our population still vaccinated, which we'll talk about in a few moments. Mm. But uh, I think the other variable you mentioned earlier, Jeff, that people have experienced in the second wave more of a personal connection and a personal impact to this. Mm. And I know that even in your own family, you navigated some of this. So talk about that and talk about how that shapes uh, our palpable sense of who it is that we're trying to protect in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, shortly after Christmas, I felt like we would, we were starting to hear, especially in the intensity of the second wave and, and maybe in particularly in long-term care homes and whatnot, some of the outbreaks that, that have been endured of a number of folks across our community who are losing parents or grandparents um, or, or even members of our community. We've had, had, a, had a couple of folks who are some of the older and longtime members of our, our community who have passed in this time, some, some related to COVID, um, some not. I mean, the, the, the close-to-home experience for us uh, was that our, our, uh, our two remaining grandmothers, for, for Lindsay and I as grandmothers within our family, Lindsay's two grandmas each live uh, in long-term care facilities, uh, have have lived throughout uh, the the life of the pandemic, and uh, one of her grandmothers during the outbreak in their facility, just in the middle of January, contracted COVID, and uh, obviously it was so tough and so heavy as a family to think that they've been you know living a difficult and fairly lonely existence through all of this, but kind of fending it off or staying protected. I mean, the long-term care facilities have done incredible work to, uh, to, to make these safe environments as safe as possible. But yeah, a couple weeks into it, um, it was worsening and uh, she contracted pneumonia as well. And Lindsay's grandma uh, on her mom's side passed uh, just in the, the first week of February. And uh, yeah, for us to, to, to then actually have the experience now of, of losing a loved one due to the effects of COVID, um, has has just ratcheted up uh, the the sense of an earlier loss of life than might otherwise be um, that again so many people have have lived through and it certainly increased our our empathy and our hearts for those who have lived through something similar and that does create a bit of a, a desire to double down on how do we participate um, in doing what we can as much as we can to protect the most vulnerable among us. So, so that more of our loved ones and more of the vulnerable can actually get through the other side of COVID, which we're, we're heartbroken that we had lost our grandma nickel uh, to, to not sort of make it through to that other side. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard too, because as anyone who's lost loved ones, it's, it's a little harder to, to grieve and, and go through a normal process of, of uh, you know, a funeral and whatnot. And that's true in our family as well. We're kind of going to wait for celebration of life until, until things are more open again to, to do some of that stuff more broadly together. But yeah, it's, it's those kind of real losses and pains that, that are having us continue to stay cautious and live into the spirit of the law. Yeah, it's certainly personalized things for a lot of us uh, to a greater degree. Um, so if someone's listening then and wondering, hey, you know, before the lockdown, we were starting to take some steps to offer more in-person, pastorally supported experiences uh, in general, let alone of our of our online service. Um, why are we not doing that coming out of lockdown? I guess the, the, the key that I'd want people to understand is when we were processing this in the fall and into December, we were in the orange zone. Mm-hmm. And it was only the week of Christmas that we were reverted to red and then right away into this province-wide lockdown. And so for us, I, I think there is more of a shift when we can, uh, as a region, be designated in the orange zone again. So people are wondering, hey, I thought you said this in the fall. Why aren't we doing this now? Um, talk about what we anticipate can happen or what we can anticipate experimenting with a little bit more. Uh, should we get into the orange zone and continue to improve as a region? Mm-hmm. Yeah, orange orange is key. And being just aware of what zones we're in and, and how that helps you understand how, how we're navigating things. Like, interestingly, we never really lived in red in Niagara. I think we had like four or five days where we were technically classified red just before Christmas, but we already knew we were going to like full-blown lockdown. And so we were we were in orange and or I mean, it's with trust in the experts that's that are helping assign what zones we should be in and, and what is safe uh, again for our community. And so when we get back to orange, we just cannot wait to kind of actually activate, reactivate. But we never quite got there. Uh, the in-person experience of, of the online service that we wanted to kind of give a try to and test pilot and particularly those um, most needing. Uh, some community as they engage spiritually uh, with our services. We were going to launch that in our Vineland location. We're kind of all geared up and have plans to, to, to launch that and, and invite people to that. I even have a, a list of people I want to invite very personally um, who I think can most benefit from it uh, once we get to Orange. And we don't know how soon that will be. We know I think these zones are always planned for at least a two-week window, could be yeah. longer. Um, but can't wait to do that. It would also uh, have us prepared to uh, reopen our facilities uh, to life groups that can come and and meet together. And I know that was huge for a lot of groups that maybe hadn't really connected in person, maybe outdoors a few times, but not really in, in a sort of conversational space at all. And in the fall, got to do that a number of times. And we would love to, to, to re-engage that. Um, we anticipate likely a, another round of some short-term groups of just another sort of on-ramp uh, in the spring. And again, if we're in orange or better, we could imagine those being in lobbies and in classrooms in, in our facilities where, again, we can safely have these organized events with the proper protocols and screening. And you can you can be together. You can see one another. Also, and this could potentially even apply even in red, but again, orange is, is that much cleaner. Uh, as the weather gets better, the days get a little longer. Can we organize some outdoor things and uh, be together outside and just feel like we're, we're starting to be on the other side of the, certainly on the other side of the winter effects of lockdown. Those are, those are some things that you know, we were gearing up for and uh, we cannot wait to 
re-engage um, once it feels safe to do so. Yeah, and I suppose the the other the other factor in all of this uh, with the with the various zones is the vaccine availability. I know that's been a huge conversation with the vaccine arriving, but then not necessarily arriving at the the dosage that people had hoped or that maybe we expected. But uh, as that critical mass increases, that provides another opportunity for us to kind of monitor. And so I, I imagine us, you know, maybe a couple months from now having another one of these conversations where we can talk about the impact of the vaccine and the impact of the percentage of our population that is getting vaccinated Mm. uh, into how we're processing this as well. Because like you said, our whole value has been to relinquish our privilege to make a contribution of protection for the most vulnerable. And especially as the most vulnerable get vaccinated, that may actually change uh, our need or our our uh, urgency to do that, and so uh, we're monitoring that closely as well. So, bottom line, then, what I'm hearing from you, Jeff, is that the red zone doesn't change a lot for us. We're going to still default on the side of caution, but as we anticipate uh, evolving into the orange zone, then we can perhaps leverage some some uh, different in person experiences. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how I think we got to summarize this and, and, and hopefully everyone can understand that. And uh, let's together uh, participate in what helps us get to Orange and even monitor when we get there so we can we can engage some of these things. Provide us then just even from your own experience or pastorally, Jeff, you, you know, your encouragements for how we can lean into God and each other. In this, I know Jeff Mannion gave a talk years ago called The Land Between. (laughs) And I feel like right now we're kind of in that zone. We're kind of in this abyss or this intermediate. You know, what what would your kind of final encouragement to us while we continue to live in this land between uh, be? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a a relevant reference. And I remember from from the sort of thinking of that, that idea, that conversation that you know, anytime you're, you're trying to move through something from one side to the other, the hardest part is the sort of the, the right in the in between, right, right, right near the middle stages and whatnot. And uh, I remember you, know, you mentioned that I remember Jeff Mannion saying that the, the land between is a fertile place. I mean, at least for a couple of things, he probably had more, but it can be a fertile place for sort of grumbling and complaint and just this stirring frustration in us. But it can also be a fertile place uh, for growth and maturation and uh, character enhancement and development um, that when we come out the other side, we are, we are more who we're meant to be. And I guess my encouragement would be that we, uh, we don't miss out on the opportunity that we all have each day, but through this very uniquely for Jesus to shape us and form us and to make us more like him, to actually be formed uh, looking more like him, knowing and hoping and trusting there is another side. And I think we're starting to really see sort of the horizon of the other side uh, you know, because of vaccines, because of you know weather, because of those kind of things when we, when we get out of the winter. Um, but I've been reflecting, I've anchored my thoughts just in a, a couple of places in scripture recently. One is Colossians 3. Paul writes to that church saying, clothe yourselves in the character of Christ. He describes their kindness, uh, humility, gentleness, patience, and compassion. And I just think th- those five things that we could kind of say, Jesus, you know, wrap those things around me, that that's how I can interact in all everything right now is huge. 
And another place I've been reflecting on a little bit is in, in second Corinthians. Um, I mean, the early church in all its forms had so much difficulty and challenge. It was constantly facing even oppression and persecution, which I wouldn't say is what we're navigating right now in, in, in our part of the world, but difficulty for sure. And in one place when he's giving them encouragement about the perseverance and endurance that it's create creating, I just noticed this line where I, I could almost imagine it being offensive to, to those experiencing in such intense pressure. But he says, and let's con- maintain our hope through these light and momentary troubles. And I think that phrase, for me at least, was a reminder that, again, we're going to get through this. God is leading us. And God can carry us in such a way that as hard as this is, and as, and, and even as, as, for many of us, it's a huge struggle. It can be light when Jesus helps carry us, and it will be momentary that we get to the other side. And so why don't we just let God do the work he wants to do on us and in us, clothing us more like Jesus uh, in the process. And uh, I mean, that's my heart. That's my hope. That's my encouragement as we keep slowly moving through these zones. And if you're in a place where all of that just is still see, it just seems so hard, reach out. We're doing our best to keep reaching out to, to so much of our community, but like reach out. We want to be available to talk to you, to pray for you. Uh, if we can visit outdoors or, or, you know, in some way safely to visit with you and care for you as we let God, we let this time be fertile work or fertile ground for God's work in us and through us. I think we'll one day look back on this and say, wow, I, I, I can't believe how much God did in my life as a result of this difficult time, but maybe we can look back at it on a, as a light and momentary trouble that God used for good. So that's, that's my encouragement. Mm, that's a great encouragement. Thanks so much for uh, sharing again today. I'm sure we'll check in again in a couple of months and uh, hope that we can see more of the horizon then. Gang, thanks for uh, tuning in again today. Enjoy the start of Red Zone. Go get yourself a haircut and uh, we'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody.